Welcome to the Apostles Houston podcast, and thanks for listening. As a community following Jesus in Houston, we want to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do the kinds of things Jesus did. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, we invite you to join us for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. in Houston Heights. For more information, visit us online at ApostlesHouston.org. All right. Now, if you're, um, if you're in here and you're third grade and above, we also are going to try something else kind of fun and different during Advent. And one of those things is that you're going to get a little handout during the sermon to help you kind of be a part of what we're talking about and learn about Advent and about Jesus with us. So here's what we're going to do. So Langley, Mrs. Cumbie, and Mary Camden and David are going to help hand out uh, something real quick. So if you're in here and you're a kid, raise your hand and they'll bring you a little handout and some crayons just so you can kind of follow along. Thank you, Bennett. Okay, awesome. So raise your hand good and high if you're a kiddo so they don't miss anybody. And we'll get started here with Advent together. All right. And just so I don't forget, so, uh, so kids, what you've got in your hand or what you're about to get is something called a sermon scavenger hunt. Okay, so what I want to encourage you to do is follow along in my sermon because you'll be able to fill in the blanks and answer the questions on that sheet. And at the end, if you'll bring me your sheet up to the front, I've got a prize for you. Okay, so bring me your sheet at the end of the service and show me your sheet, your scavenger hunt sheet, and I will give you a prize. Sound good? Okay, all right, great. All right, parents, you let us know if all this works out, okay? We're going to give it a shot. All right, so this morning, uh, as we've said, is the first Sunday of Advent, and um, it's a season of transition. I hope everybody had a wonderful Thanksgiving, Um, but now we're transitioning our attention uh, into the season called Advent. Now, maybe uh, if you're like me, you grew up in, in a tradition or you grew up outside the church and you're not familiar with Advent. This is a new idea or concept to you. And so I want to take a little bit of time just to talk about why we celebrate Advent and what Advent is, and then maybe some recommendations on how you can kind of enter into this season uh, together with us as a community. So first, what is Advent? Uh, so Advent is the four weeks leading up to Christmas. Advent is the four weeks leading up to Christmas. So this is the the first Sunday of four that land on the calendar before Christmas. That's why we start Advent today. And it's uh, it's a tradition that in some form or another goes all the way back to the fourth century. So you can go all the way back into the earliest days of the church and see people celebrating this thing called Advent. And part of this is recognizing that in the church, throughout the history of the church, uh, one of the things that the church has tried to do is try to orient its awareness of time, how it thinks about time, around Jesus and the gospel. So we don't think about this often, but even our time is affected by Jesus and what he's done for us. And so what, what the church has tried to do is mark time using the calendar oriented around the gospel. And so that's what Advent is a part of. It's about this kind of calendar. We're going around the calendar year. And interestingly, Advent actually starts the Christian year. So New Year's for us is not January 1st. New Year's for us is Advent 1. And so today is Happy New Year. So look around the room and everybody say it together. Happy New Year. All right, great. So we just started the new liturgical year. 
Uh, and so Advent's get, getting kicked off, and so next will come what? Christmas, right? So you got Advent, and then Christmas, and then does anybody know what comes next? Epiphany, great. And then after Epiphany, Lent, and then Lent leads to Easter, and then Easter to Pentecost, and then, I heard it, ordinary time, yeah, or green time. Uh, and so that goes all the way back around to Advent, where we are today. So we just enter, entered into this new calendar year, liturgical year. <clears throat> and so orienting our life around Jesus and the gospel and our time around him is really powerful. Uh, and there's lots of ways we can do that. And there's lots of ways that Advent helps us to do that. And, and some, I just want to touch on a couple of things that I think can help us understand Advent. So first, where does this idea, word Advent, come from? Advent comes from the Latin adventus, which means uh, coming or arrival. That's what adventus means in Latin, coming or arrival. And so it points to both the first coming of Jesus, which is what uh, Ryan mentioned at the beginning of the service. It points us to Christmas, his birth, but it also, and, and more emphasis actually, is being laid during Advent on his second coming. So it's about his second coming as well as his first coming. And so when we talk about Advent, we're talking about Jesus returning and that we're in this season of waiting for Jesus to return. And when he returns, he'll come in a different way than he came the first time. He'll come to judge the world. That's what Scripture teaches us, that he'll come to redeem all things and usher in a new peace, this, this universal shalom. The Bible talks about a new heavens and a new creation, a recreation in some sense of the universe, unmarred by sin and suffering and death. And so that's what we look forward to. That's what we long for in this season of Advent. Now, what's tricky about that is Advent's been almost completely lost in our culture. Uh, this used to really be much more significant in the life of the church, but uh, I, I don't know if you've uh, seen um, uh, or read the C.S. Lewis, Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. There's this little line in there. It's always winter and never Christmas uh, because of the white witch. It's almost like we've got the opposite problem. It's always Christmas and never winter uh, because we start Christmas. I saw Christmas decorations before Halloween this year. Uh, boo. I heard a boo. Okay, I'm down with that. Um, and so, so Advent, you know, has kind of been kind of overtaken, overshadowed, right, by the popularity of Christmas. And so uh, what's interesting is that for most uh, of, of the history of Advent in the church, what you would have experienced is kind of this waiting to really celebrate Christmas until you actually got to the day of Christmas, right? So uh, Advent was a time of, of preparation, uh, it, it was a time of kind of looking forward to celebrating the birth of Jesus, and that it was this kind of sense in which you were, you were moving towards that, and then it just exploded in a celebration on Christmas, so much so that they wouldn't have even decorated the church almost in any way until Christmas Day. So you would have seen, you would have felt, you would have smelled, you would have entered into this overwhelming sea change called Christmas and that's where the 12 days of Christmas comes from. That's Christmas tide. Christmas actually starting on Christmas Day. Now, what that means for us celebrating Advent in our culture, in our moment, means that we'll feel a certain dissonance. And I think that's okay. Uh, we obviously have a tree in here. We've got wreaths on the doors. Thank you so much for those who helped decorate. We're, we're marking the season. So there's this kind of in-between time, which is very appropriate. For Advent, because that's really what Advent is about in a lot of ways. It's about this in-between time between the first and the second coming of Jesus. And so we can celebrate kind of Advent and Christmas at the same time, his first coming and his second coming. We need Advent um, for a couple of reasons, I think. So first, I think we need Advent um, because 
we are so prone to being distracted away from Jesus, just in life in general. But I think especially this time of year, our calendars can fill up. Things need to be done before the end of the year. It just clicks and clicks, and the next thing you know, oh my goodness, it's a new year. And so allowing this season to create space for us, I think, is really powerful to help us kind of slow down. We're going to talk about some ways that we can do that together. Second, I think we need Advent to remind us that this world is not our ultimate home. Advent reminds us uh, that we are, in Christ, citizens of another kingdom, and that ultimately uh, our home is with him in eternity, in the fullness of his kingdom when it comes at his second coming. So that's helpful because life can be hard. Uh, This world is marked by suffering and pain and sin and death, and so Advent acknowledges that reality. I love what we just sang a minute ago, that into the darkness entered hope and life uh, in Christ. That's what Advent is really all about. And so much so that uh, we, we can literally kind of think about it that way, light breaking into darkness. That, that verse in 1 John where he, he talks about the light shines in the darkness. And I love that image for Advent. Uh, so much so that we actually ask uh, Kathy Love if she would take a shot at creating a visual that would help us uh, through um, her gifts and abilities as an artist. I'm so grateful for the amazing gifts and abilities that we have in our congregation. And Kathy uh, took on this project. And so if you, if you turn around real quick, and if you look at the back wall, on the back wall next to the Christmas tree uh, is an art installation that Kathy created for us. And I love it because you get that real sense of light breaking into the darkness. And I would encourage you to kind of stop by uh, the back wall on your way out or maybe on your way in one Sunday and just kind of stand there in front of it and let it really, in, in the fullest sense, minister to you uh, through Kathy's gift uh, of art. And uh, I've done this with my kids. I just stand them in front of them. I say, what do you see? And just listen to what they see and listen to what God reveals to them uh, through artwork. So, Kathy, thank you so much for doing that. You'll see that incorporated into different things. Yes, absolutely. But I think we need Advent to encourage us and invite us in a dark world that God is breaking in, and Jesus is the true light and salvation and hope of the world. And then I think we need Advent to remind us that Jesus really is coming again. We can kind of lose sight of that, can't we? Uh, We can be so short-term focused We can lose sight of of the long-term, of the ultimate telos. The the goal of God's redemptive work in history is coming when Jesus returns again. And so we want to keep that in front of us. So so you can imagine with with kind of this milieu of Advent, this season that I'm describing here, there's some themes that come up again and again in Scripture, and you're going to hear that in the Scripture readings, and they, they may seem a little again, dissonant to you. Maybe you didn't expect to to show up and hear readings like you heard this morning. Uh, Maybe you thought you'd hear some Christmas-type readings. But Advent readings really look at the prophetic words in Scripture, looking forward to Jesus coming and his second coming. And so that's what we're going to look at together here in Matthew chapter 24. Before we do that, I just want to give you just a few ideas about ways, again, that you can enter into this thing called Advent. Um, And so if you want to jot these down or snap a picture of what's on the screen, um, here's just some helpful ways that you can embrace the season of Advent. One, I would encourage you to unplug, slow down, and create some space. You're going to have to work really hard at this, right? Because we're so kind of in a rhythm, typically, where we're not doing this. Uh, And unplug is a really significant one that I just would ask you to consider. 
uh, maybe using your phone less. There's actually a way you can track your usage on your phone, right? It tells you if you're going down or going up at the end of each week. You can put that on and kind of see, okay, where, where am I in my usage? Push, try to push that thing down. Maybe get off the 24-7 news cycle, right? Take a break from Netflix or Amazon Prime and just create some space really with the Lord. So just encourage you to do that. Second, immerse yourself in the Word using the daily Advent reading. So uh, there's a lot of tools you can use for this, but putting yourself in the scriptures uh, that are assigned for Advent. And one of the ways you can do that is you just grab a prayer book. Uh, there's little red books on the back, uh, seat backs. If you were to open one up, there are recommended readings in the back for each day in Advent. And so you can look at Old Testament, New Testament. There's psalm readings in there, uh, gospel readings. You can use that. Or if you stop by the table on the way out this morning, you can grab a, uh, a copy of uh, Advent uh, based on Matthew, which is the book that we're going to be going through over the next four weeks. And it'll give you Matthew readings for each day of Advent um, based on a devotional by N.T. Wright. And those are free. You can grab one on the way out. So I encourage you to do that. So immerse yourself in the Word. Third thing is Wednesday morning prayer. We're going to gather here. We've done this before. It's always been really powerful. Uh, sweet time and prayer together before you start uh, your day on Wednesday, right in the middle of your week. Uh, there's a handout uh, you can grab that has a schedule and everything listed in it, including morning prayer on Wednesdays. And so I encourage you to join us for that. Um, that is from 7.30 to 8. And then also, number four, use an Advent wreath. So raise your hand if you've ever used an Advent wreath before. Okay, great. So if you haven't, I want to encourage you to grab one. We've got some on, um, on the table out there. You can make a small donation to help us cover the cost, but if you can't, just take one. Um, and we want to encourage everybody, whether you're uh, a big family, you're single, uh, older, younger, wherever you are in life, uh, we want to encourage you to take one home and really use this as a discipline and a practice, just like we are here on Sunday mornings to enter into Advent. So those are four ways that you can uh, help mark this season of Advent. But this Sunday, uh, this first Sunday, is uh, marked by hope. That's the theme of the candle that we just lit. Hope is the theme of this week, this Sunday, the first Sunday of Advent. And so I want us to look at Matthew chapter 24 briefly together at these verses that I just read, Matthew 36 through 44. So if you want to open your Bible, uh, to their Matthew 24, 36 through 44. We're just going to look at how Advent focuses our attention on the hope that we have in Christ. Looking here together, Matthew 24, 36 through 44. So as you're turning there, just a little context. In Matthew 24, Jesus is teaching about what's going to happen uh, in the world between his first coming, and then ultimately his second coming. So that's, that's what he's talking about. And if you read the earlier parts of the chapter, what he really focuses on is the coming destruction of Jerusalem and the temple. Uh, there's several different interpretations that faithful Christians have had over the years about what is Jesus actually talking about and how all these pieces fit together. He's answering two questions that his disciples ask. When he says the temple is going to be destroyed, they say, when? And then they say, while we're talking about future events, when are you coming back? When's the end of the age? And so those two questions are kind of talked about and blended in some sense here in Matthew chapter 24. And so the first half of the chapter seems to be talking about Jerusalem and the temple, uh, which many people point to 70 AD as the actual date that that took place. The destruction of the temple uh, happened in 70 AD by the Romans. The second half of the chapter, including our reading, talks about what is really focused on the, uh, the, what people call the end times or uh, the last days. And so again, this is what Advent kind of points us to. 
Um, and so this is what Jesus says is going to take place uh, when history is coming to a close. Look with me at verse, um, actually going back to verse 29. This is what he's describing. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven. The power of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. So again, Jesus is talking about what's gonna mark uh, the end of time. And two things, uh, just real quick, stand out to me. One is that Jesus knows that between his first coming and his second coming, life is going to be difficult. Right? You, you can't read that and not recognize that there's going to be hardship, there's gonna be suffering, there's gonna be difficulty. In John's gospel, Jesus says, uh, in this life you will have trouble because he wants them to be prepared for what's going to happen between his first and his second coming. You will suffer, but don't give up because I'm with you and I'm coming back. And so I think for us as followers of Jesus, we need to hear that repeatedly to be reminded that uh, even though this life is hard, we do have hope because Jesus is gonna return. So we're gonna talk about that a little bit more. And then the second thing I just wanna observe here is that when Jesus comes, there won't be any question about the fact that it's Jesus. Right, so just look at what it just said here about what's going to happen when Jesus comes back. Now, I say that because frequently in history, there have been people who've claimed to know exactly when Jesus is coming and be able to point to people who have claimed actually to be Jesus. And I just want to say, when you hear those kinds of things, people who say, oh, I know when Jesus is coming back and here's the date and you need to be, be, be ready for that, or they point to a specific person and say, there he is, what Jesus himself actually says is, they're wrong. They're dead wrong. And don't listen to them. And he couldn't be more clear about that here in Matthew chapter 24. He actually says, when that happens, you need to ignore those people because no one knows. He says, not even I know. Only the Father knows when this is going to happen. And so I just think that's helpful because when we hear dates and timelines and all these kinds of things, we can just ignore it. It's not of the Lord. So Jesus goes on in verse 37 to 44 uh, to encourage his disciples by telling them to remain alert. He says, stay awake, remain alert. And then he kind of makes this interesting comparison. There's an analogy here to the days of Noah. He says, for as there were in the days of Noah, there will be a coming of the Son of Man. For in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Two will be in the field. One will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken. One will be left. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what, your, what day the Lord is coming. And then Jesus goes on and he uses another analogy of someone protecting their house and staying awake to guard against a thief. So Jesus is using these two analogies. What is he saying with these two analogies? First, he's, he's saying the return of Christ will be like the flood, right? It'll be like the flood coming. And what he's saying is, there, you know, the, in the same way the flood washed people away who were not ready for it and then left behind those who were, namely Noah and his family, so will be the return of Christ. In the same way, we ought not to let his return catch us unprepared, in other words, 
without Christ, lest we be taken or swept away in judgment. Does that make sense? That's, what, that's the analogy he's making. Uh, the second analogy is pretty simple. Be vigilant, just like you would about your own home, protecting it from a thief. Be awake, be aware, stay on guard. And so Jesus is using these two analogies about staying awake and staying alert and looking forward to his second coming. So what does all this mean for us as followers of Jesus trying to, to live out our faith today? I want to suggest it means two things, two things. And the first is this, if you want to jot this down, that our hope, our hope is that Jesus will return in power and glory. That is our hope. That is our hope, that the crucified, resurrected, and ascended Jesus will return in power and glory to judge the world. That's our hope. The first time Jesus came in the night, right? The next time Jesus comes, it will be in the light, right? And so when he comes in the light, it says the Son of Man will come on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, Philippians 2 says when this moment happens that every knee will bow and that every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. How many knees and how many tongues? Every. Can you imagine the entire world down on one knee confessing Jesus as Lord? That's what he says is going to happen in this moment. Power and glory. In Matthew 24, Jesus refers to himself as the Son of Man coming on a cloud. It's, it's an image, a term taken from uh, Daniel, uh, from Daniel chapter 7, where we see Jesus as the Holy One coming from the throne room of God into the world. And he's given God's power and kingdom authority. And when he comes back, he's going to bring God's final judgment. He will come as the King in his power and in his glory. Now, when we, we hear that, we try to imagine that, I, I think it makes most of us, at least on some level, uncomfortable. <laughs> Judgment is not a popular message in our culture. It's really not a popular message in any time of human history. But this idea that we don't want to talk about God's judgment is actually to our detriment. We need to talk about judgment, and here's the primary reason we do, because Jesus talks about it. And he wants us to understand why it's important that God is going to bring judgment. It was interesting. uh, We were driving back from Colorado uh, a couple of days ago. We went up there for Thanksgiving. And on the drive back, we were listening to uh, an interview with uh, Dr. Jean Twenge, T-W-E-N-G-E, Twenge. And she's a professor of psychology and the author of a book called iGen. It's got an amazing subtitle. It's called iGen. Why today's super-connected kids are growing up less rebellious, more tolerant, and completely unprepared for childhood, or adulthood. That's, her, that's, that's the longest subtitle I've ever read. Um, but she says uh, in this interview, she's talking about what's happening with our kids uh, in our cultural moment. And she observes that kids and youth today are more and more inclined to believe that there is no ultimate purpose or meaning to life, period. They don't operate as if there's any ultimate meaning or purpose to be determined or arrived at. They, just, they, they only think in terms of the short term, is what she says, and finding happiness and fulfillment and identity in the short term. And so that life really has no ultimate telos. There's no place that history is heading that has anything to do with who I am or how I live. 
And you can imagine that life simply about the moment and short-term happiness actually can have some really catastrophic consequences. It's actually a very scary way to live. And we've raised up a whole generation of kids who think that way. Bad things, in other words, can happen when you focus only on the short term. The picture that came to my head is someone who's walking along and they only stare at their feet and they walk right into traffic. They're going to hit reality and it's going to be painful and it's going to be difficult. And so what we've got here is the reality of creation as God has ordained it. The ultimate telos or purpose of creation is that Christ will come again and that he will judge the world. That our decisions, in other words, and our actions and the purpose and meaning of our life is very much connected to creation and who he says we are and what he says about life. Not only that, but that what we do with our lives ultimately will be judged. Again, we don't like to think about that, but what we do with our lives will be judged. God's judgment is meant to remind us that what we think and what we say and what we do matters. There are consequences in our lives and the lives of others, and it matters not only to them, but to God. It matters to him, and so he will judge it. And so Jesus is going to come in power and glory to judge the living and the dead, to set things in this broken, sinful world to rights, and that is good. We long for God's perfect justice and his judgment, and it's good news, not just for the world, but it's good news for us, because the good news is that Jesus comes not only as our judge, but as our Savior, which is what we celebrate at Christmas. The Savior of the world has been born. And that what he did for us, he took our just judgment on himself. And so that through faith in Christ and what he did on the cross, we as followers of Jesus can embrace his coming in glory and power as our judge, knowing that it's the cause of joy and not fear because we are in Christ and we are set apart for him in Christ. Jesus' return then is cause for hope. That's why it's a hopeful thing that Jesus is coming back to judge the world. It's not a fearful thing. It's a thing of hope for us because we are in Christ and we have been set apart for him. So that's the first, uh, I think, observation about hope. And then the second one is this. God's promises help us keep watch and wait for Jesus' return. God's promises actually help us as we watch and wait for Jesus' return. Um, Everything that I've said up to this point, you still may not be convinced it's actually very encouraging. (laughs) Uh, It may be a hard thing to hear as we enter into this season that's Christmas, right? But, But I think it is ultimately helpful because hope without the truth is really just wishful thinking, and love without honesty is just sentimentality. And so what Jesus is doing here is he's being incredibly honest with us about how hard things are in life, the darkness, and He's being really honest about the coming judgment of God out of God's love for us. Um, These are some of the last words that Jesus shared with his disciples before he went to the cross. These are are words that are hugely significant to Jesus. He's not pulling any punches. And so before he returns, he says these important things. The temple is going to be destroyed. Jerusalem's going to be laid to waste, destroyed by the nations. There will be persecution, and even creation will cry out. This is what he's describing in this in-between time, between his first and second advent. In fact, he says things will get harder and harder the closer we come to the end. The world will be especially characterized by fear, by social and political chaos, and natural disasters. 
And so Jesus wants us to know things are going to get harder. Things are going to get harder. And that actually is an encouragement. It doesn't sound like encouragement, but it is encouragement to know that's the reality that we're, we've got in front of us as followers of Jesus. This year, um, like I said, we went to Colorado this past week for Thanksgiving. And while we were there, we did, uh, we did a uh, turkey trot uh, 5K. Now, I've done one turkey trot 5K. I told you all about that last year. I've not done anything like this at 10,000 feet. Uh, it was amazing because I'll just tell you, we saw lots of people running past us. We just walked the whole time because we couldn't actually pull off a run at that altitude. I, I could hardly keep my breath just walking at different times while we were there. But we did this walk, and the thing that stood out to me, this, this turkey trot, was uh, all these people running this race, and I'm sure, especially at that altitude, it just meant so tempting just to stop, just to quit running, even though it's only 5K, because, you know, again, I, I could run a block, and I'd be out of breath. And these people were running this 5K, and I was so impressed with them. But what stood out to me most was, as we were doing the 5K, about every, I don't know, about 100 yards or so, uh, there were people, like race officials stationed. And what they were doing is they had these bright colored t-shirts on and they had these noisemakers. And they, some of them were like these like paddle things they would turn. Some of them were bells. Some were like, I think somebody had a triangle. I mean, they were just making all this kind of noise. And as people ran by, they were just encouraging. They were saying, you can do it. You got this. Keep running. Don't give up. Go, go, go. And so we would just pass these people and they'd be cheering for all the runners. And when I read what Jesus is doing here, I thought of those people on the race because that's kind of what Jesus is saying here. It, 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 we may miss it, but this is actually what he's doing. He's actually saying, let me point to things that you can count on, signs, signposts. Let me point to promises that God has made. So in these dark times, you can count on God's promises coming true, that he will actually set all things right, and that he will come again, and that our hope is secure in this Jesus who will return. And so what Advent is, is pointing us to these promises, the promises of his presence, the promise of God's power, the promise of his Holy Spirit. Just reading his scripture can give us hope in this in-between the Advents. I love what Matthew 28, 20 uh, says. It says, Jesus says, I will be with you. He sends them out, right, to make disciples, but he ends that by saying, I will be with you. To what? The very end of the age. That's his promise. See, Jesus is along the route of the race that we're running in this life, and he's cheering us on. He's saying, you can do this. With my breath, with my help, with my spirit, you can run this race. But the amazing thing is he's not just at every point along the race. He's at the end, and he's at the end waiting for us to cross that finish line. That's the second coming, is for us to come into his presence fully, see him face to face, the scripture says, is what's gonna happen when he comes again. Advent, therefore, is about running a race. It's about waiting, but waiting doesn't mean sitting around doing nothing. Waiting, actually, in this case, is not passive. It means keeping yourself engaged in running the good race, not trying harder to be better. Don't hear me say that, but depending on him every step of the way, trusting in his promises, looking to his word to guide us and lead us. I love what N.T. Wright says about this idea of waiting for Jesus and trusting in his promises and his second coming. He says this. Uh, he says, keep alert. This is what we're told to expect, and patience is the key. Pray for strength. This is what it's about, not an exciting battle where adrenaline flows and banners start waving, but the steady, faithful walk. 
It's about prayer and hope, scripture and sacrament and witness. Day by day, week by week, that's what counts. Read the story. Read the story of Scripture. Read the Gospels again and again, he says. Remind one another of what Jesus said. Encourage one another and keep awake. Keep awake. So let us run the race with perseverance marked out for us, is what the Apostle Paul says. How? By fixing our eyes on Jesus. The Jesus who has come and the Jesus who will come again. So Advent is, is a call to hope, even in the darkness, even in the hardness, even in the challenges that we face, that we might stay vigilant and trust God and trust his word and trust his promises and keep running the race even when it's hard. So Jesus, Advent is about the fact that Jesus has come and that Jesus is with us even now and that Jesus will come again. That is our ultimate hope. Amen? Amen. Thanks again for listening. We hope this resource has been helpful to you. If you have questions or are just looking for more information, you can check out our website at apostleshouston.org.